Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 4, Episode 20, last one of the season. And today we're going to be talking about agonist and antagonist muscle groups. Tony, how's it going today? Uh, it's going pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm half lying, right? You know that. They don't know that. You know that. Uh, no, it's going a lot better now. Um, this has been quite the uh, holiday week, um, for sure, for both of us. Um, just a quick, just a quick, uh, rundown, ladies and gentlemen, of, of how this week has gone. Uh, this show should have happened a while ago as far as recording goes. Um, but between COVID and flu, uh, amongst, amongst us, amongst, uh, amongst our children, um, uh, which, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, was not the, uh, traditional Thanksgiving dinner, uh, this year. And uh, then uh, myself waking up or not waking up, but getting in my truck last night to drive back to Lansing and I'm not there. Uh, anybody who knows when I do my shows from my home in Ohio, you could tell them in Ohio uh, because uh, click, 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 nothing. And uh, Joe had come over last night. My dad was here last night and uh, today we, we changed out the battery and that was uh, that was good. Good news. So up to Lansing uh, a little bit later on this evening, but uh, that that's been our week, Joe. In a nutshell, really. Um, uh, I guess yeah, we're overcoming yeah. adversity here. I think. That's yeah, I, I I I had a good run. I had a good I, I, three years. Three years I ran from the Rona, and I I was beaten around every every step of the way. Yeah, and she caught up to me. Yeah, so, I, uh, it I, is what it is. I still haven't. I I don't know. I don't think I've had it. Um. Uh, something tells me I may have had it before we started testing, like right in the very beginning, because I remember, you know, having a lot of those symptoms, but it was before the testing and everything else. And, uh, you know, being able to get tested and all that right in the very beginning. So I don't know if I did or not. I mean, I guess you can be tested for the antibodies if you wanted to be. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I don't I, know. How I wasn't, I wasn't even going to test if, if Cindy, Cindy was, uh, having a lot of symptoms and what have you. And she went through and I told her, yeah, you know what? We, we have those tests just sitting in the bathroom. Maybe you should give one a shot, you know, uh, it kind of, you know, she's hackling and snarling and all that good stuff. So she tests and sure enough. And I'm like, well, you know, what are the chances? I mean, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> and yeah, no, I got hit. I'll be honest with you though. I don't think the symptoms never got so bad that I felt like I had, you know, the coronavirus. And I know that this varies for everybody, but for me, honestly, the worst it got uh, was I, I equated it to what I go through with seasonal allergies. In fact, I might have, it might have even been worse, uh, the allergies that I had over the past year or so than, you know, these symptoms. So, but I do know that that we're fortunate among the uh, of a lot of, of people that unfortunately it did not fare so well for them. No, no. And, and, and we uh, tested here and none of us had it, but both of mine, as you know, had the flu, uh, pretty bad. And, um, so all it really got done here, as you can see over here, uh, behind me is Christmas decorating. Uh, three trees went up, uh, one in each bedroom over on this floor and one in the living room. And I never put three trees up. So I was bored. I think, uh, I think I really had a lot going on there, but uh, in the, I was in the Christmas spirit, listening to my favorite Christmas song ever, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. I know I triggered 
couple hundred people just now when I said that, but um, I don't get that. People are so mad about that song on social I media. I don't know. I still say it's baby. It's cold outside. And boy, does that have some, uh, uh, some, uh, you know, some pushback, uh, yeah. amongst certain groups of people. I don't understand it, but you know, it's funny too. The a product of all of my boredom for my quarantine time in quarantine. Cause yes, even though I'm still in the home, I had to quarantine. They won't see until our Christmas episode, uh, which will be coming out, I believe December 21st. Right. Um, a lot of boredom gave me a lot of time to express those create all that create creativity on my end. So, uh, that'll be expressed then. There's that. Uh, and that'll be into season five, uh, just into season five, because yeah, this is it for season four. This is episode 20. Um, I think when we're, what we're going to talk about today, we have these exercise shows, right? Leg day gets a lot of, a lot, I see that it gets a lot of listens. I don't know how many views it gets. Uh, we start trying to figure out how to, how you can follow that particular stat, that, that data. Uh, but I see it gets a lot of listens from the exercise shows, uh, point of view standpoint. Um, but a lot of the exercise shows don't because I think the problem is, that our listeners slash um, viewers, they they think what this is 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 a teaching moment from me, and it's it's not me trying to teach them about physiology, um, you know, human anatomy, uh, understanding exercise science. It's me trying to teach you guys that if you seriously want to work out and you want to do it right, I would like to think that you want to understand what's going on with your body when you're working out. I would think that you would want to understand. I, I, I'm not saying that you have to understand every single concept to the point where you're going to write a three-page essay, a dissertation at the end of the you know 20th episode of season five. I'm saying that try to listen to not so much the technical terminology, but to what is actually happening with your body when you're making a certain movement and how that movement is being counteracted. Because the more you listen to these shows, the more you put them together, Joe, the more you realize how to put your exercises together. And, and that's, that's a fact. And, and so I, that's just the way I look at it. So if you're listening to the show and you heard him say agonist versus antagonist muscle groups, and you said, Oh God, I, what you need to do, ladies and gentlemen, is just sit back for a second. I'm not going to go crazy about it, okay? Just going to give you a little bit of an understanding of what that is so you understand what you're doing in the gym and what's happening more than anything else. Does that uh, make uh, it does. It does. It makes perfect sense. And I was going to say, I think one of the basic questions that we could probably answer right off the rip, uh, because I know what's being said by those same people is, why do I need to know this? So why is this important? I guess would probably be a good way for us to segue into the uh, actual meat and potatoes of the show today. Because in all honesty, so we're going to take, let's take this show. I mean, obviously this is what we're going to be talking about today. It's important to understand when you're doing a certain movement, what other muscles are doing in order to control that movement and why it's important that those muscles are doing what they're doing because of how you can, for example, get injured if you're not paying attention or understand why your body's working in that way because maybe you want to set up a program where you're working those muscles together where that muscle group that you're working is working as an agonist and an antagonist in the same workout. 
So a lot of people say I do buys and tries. Well, why do you do buys and tries together? Well, because it's arms. So I'm doing my arms that day. Yeah, but did you know that what's going on when you're doing a bicep curls with your triceps? Did you know what their what their what their what their purpose is in that movement? And then when you turn it around, the tricep becomes the agonist and the bicep becomes the antagonist. So you're getting you're getting two for one there. And and, and people need to understand that. You, you see what do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely, especially for yeah. with somebody who suffers from lower back issues. And you know, I, I do a lot of ab exercises, but I also have to make sure that I'm not offsetting. You know what I mean? I I know that there has to be a balance between the two. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to lower back, anything that is hooked to, from from uh, leg work to everything above it seems everything is hooked right into your lower back. I mean, is that is that accurate? I mean, so the core of your body, I mean, you know, you know, it, it seems there's so many people, you know what I noticed uh, anymore without getting way off track here? So many people our age and younger with back problems. Wow. I know so many people personally in my life that have major issues with their back and and and, and they're not they're not acting. Uh, I'm around them a lot or I was around them a lot at certain times and they are in a lot of pain. And what always, what is just so unfortunate right now is there's real no cure. There's really no cure to this, to this nightmare. Uh, it's always the, the shots uh, to reduce pain, to reduce inflammation. But once you start with herniated discs and, 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 and all these problems that, that, you know, just exasperate, I mean, just, just continue to exponentially to grow. And then they, then they throw back surgery at you. I know no one who has had back surgery and folks, no one. And they've gotten better because of it. It's always like a death sentence. As soon as they say back surgery, it's a death sentence. I think I've known one person in my entire career who had actually had some fusion done and he, I mean, it was to a point where he needed that done and actually his back was so bad that that surgery was, was a relief for him. Uh, most people, I know people that, that, um, uh, one gentleman who I, I worked with, he had issues with his neck, uh, you know, and, and opted for the surgery and one of the, um, uh, possible side effects of that is you could throw a clot and he sure sure enough he did uh ended up with a stroke sure. i mean there's a lot of issues that that you can forego with with having any sort of surgery um it, it, on your spine obviously i mean we know that this is a pretty major part of our body uh that was one of the main reasons why i always opted out of it uh it's not because i didn't want to feel better if if it came down to it where i had no choice well then i have no choice but there's just it right now it just seems like there's so many more cons uh than pros when it comes to actually having the surgery and if i can alleviate the issues with things like we're talking about today where i'm working other muscles to help strengthen uh, the ones that are problematic, uh, especially around the around the uh, uh, the spine, then I think I would opt for that. Yeah, I think also what happens is is the age. Uh, you know, when you're in your 30s and 40s, I, even the doctors will usually say we'd really like to go a different route um, before we make that our last, you know, option. They really like to, even the doctors will tell you they like to make that their last option. Um, it just it's it's unfortunate because so many back problems and so in so many different ways uh in answering your question uh 
in a roundabout way. Yeah, in a roundabout way. Um, basically, I would say yes. I mean, that's it's the core of your body. It's the it's the basement. It's it's what your house sits on, and it, you can you can do so many things when you have a broken foot. You can do so many things when you have a broken arm. You have a bad lower back. Holy cow. You know what I mean? So there's that. <laughs> um, I, that could be a show. Have to have somebody on here. Dr. Dr. Frank Yannick. I think he would come on and talk about that. Maybe. You it's always, po always yeah. a possibility. Yeah. So, but, you know, b before we get into everything now with agonist and antagonist muscles or agonist and antagonist muscles and several other things that we're going to talk about today. Let's hear from our sponsor real quick. Don't go anywhere. Everybody we will be right back in one second. Two brothers. One Mike is sponsored by YSN, your sports network, loyal, local live. Hey everyone. It's Joe from two brothers. One Mike for all of our sports enthusiasts out there from the Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania area with busy schedules. We know you can't always make it to the big game. Well, we have some great news for you. Now is your chance to listen or watch your favorite high school teams compete on the YSN Network. Covering multiple sports from more than 50 area high schools, as well as Youngstown State University Baseball and the Mahoney Valley Scrappers, and so much more. What's that? No longer live in the Northeastern Ohio or Western Pennsylvania area? No problem. You can go to YSNlive.com on any browser or download the YSN Live app available on both the App Store and Google Play. So you can listen wherever you'd like to start your sports binge and streaming experiences today. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back, everyone. So, uh, Joe, we were talking about so many different other things in the first part of the of the show today, uh, which, hey, you know what? That's fine. Sometimes people want to hear just what's on our mind. Uh, I talk to people sometimes. They, a lot of people listen to podcasts. They say, we don't even care what they're talking about. We just we just enjoy listening to other people talk in conversation. Show about nothing. Yeah, remind, right. you, remind, you, remind, I, you, remind you of anything? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it makes me wonder what, don't even bother with the titles of these things. Just be yeah. Tony and I talking. Just call me. Just call me on the phone. We'll just talk on the phone and record it. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, today, today though, we're going to talk about something specifically. And that's agonist and antagonist muscle groups. And, and folks, when we talk about agonists, that's going to be the first thing we're going to talk about. I'm going to, Joe, probably do uh, two things here I want, to, I want to say to you. One, if possible, it's going to probably be important that we include in this particular podcast, in this episode, the show on concentric, eccentric, and isometric strength. Uh, and because of the concentric, eccentric, well, because all of them, actually, and folks, honestly, after you listen to this show or watch it, whatever you're doing, please go back and listen because that was only a, a, an audio show. Please go back and listen to the show that he includes in the description of this podcast on those three different types of strength because they have a lot to do with agonist and antagonist muscle groups. And, and that being said, Joe, we're, we're going we're gonna to stick today to the bicep. We're, we might we're, we might talk about a few other things. We may talk about the chest for a second. Uh, we may towards the end of the show. I know I want to talk a little bit about the hamstring muscles, but but the bicep because I want to keep it simple. Because again, we're not trying to. This isn't going to be a test at the end of the show. So 
Uh, the bicep curl is something easy because everybody knows what the bicep is, right? If I start saying semi-membranosis, semi-tendinosis, and the bicep femoris, people are going to be like, what did you call me? You know, so so we're talking about the bicep muscle, the bicep break guy, right here, right here. Should have wore a short sleeve shirt today. Uh, short sleeve shirt today. I didn't even have any wine. Um, yeah, so uh, that being said, <laughs> the agonist muscle in a bicep curl is the prime mover. We call it the prime mover, and that is, that is obviously your bicep. The agonist applies the most force to the movement. So if you're doing a leg extension, all right, for the sake of example, if you're doing a leg extension, your quadricep muscles are the muscles that are doing the movement in that leg extension. They're your agonist muscle group. They are contracting the quadricep muscle to make that motion happen. They're applying the most force, all right? Uh, so, you know, when you're doing an abdominal crunch, the abdominal muscles, rectus abdomina, abdominis, that is what is the agonist muscle group. That's the group that is applying the most force to move your body in a certain direction, to move a limb in a certain direction. So in a bicep curl, when you're curling up, the agonist muscle is the bicep. And its job is to make that movement happen by contracting, by shortening in what we call the concentric phase, which if you listen to that show that Joe's going to include in the description, you'll understand it's that motion where you're applying force, whether you're pushing away in a squat, the concentric phase is when you're squatting up in a bench press. It's when you're pushing up in a bicep curl. It's when you're pulling up. Anytime you're applying force to move an object, you're in the concentric phase. That's when you're applying force again in the bicep curl, your bicep is the agonist. So when you talk about, um, uh, what assistant movers are, what's assisting the bicep in that bicep curl. That's something we're going to talk about in a minute. But let's now go ahead and talk about antagonist, right? Which is basically the, the muscle group that's doing the opposite thing. And there's a reason for that. So if anybody had to guess that if the bicep in the bicep curl is the agonist, Joe, I'm just going to have you take a guess. And we haven't talked about this. What's the antagonist muscle group? Actually, we did. It's the tricep. You said that in the beginning. We were talking about the example. You said that already. But it's okay. Yeah, tricep, tricep. Right. Yeah, we never talked about it. I bet you they wouldn't even remember that until you reminded them just now. Anyway, um, maybe they would remember that. I didn't remember that. That's the problem. Uh, so anyway... The antagonist muscle group is the triceps. Now, what are they doing in that particular situation? While the bicep is shortening in a bicep curl, the antagonist muscle group, the triceps, are lengthening and relaxing. Lengthening and relaxing. And the purpose of that is for control as you are making the movement with that weight. If your biceps and triceps were to contract at the same exact time while you were trying to move that weight up, what would happen, Joe? Nothing. The bar wouldn't move. The bar would not move. All you would do was jerk all over the place. That's it. So there's a reason for that. One muscle group is lengthening and relaxing while the other one is contracting. Vice versa, if I go and do a tricep press down where I'm contracting and shortening the tricep muscles on the back of the arm, now the bicep becomes the 
antagonist as it lengthens and relaxes, ladies and gentlemen. And it's all about these two muscles working for elbow flexion. To flex your elbow, extend your elbow. Those muscles have to work together and work in opposite directions in order for elbow flexion to take place and elbow extension to take place. So that's why I feel it's so important for people to understand that. You could say the same thing about the quadricep and the hamstring muscle group when it comes to knee flexion, bending the knee, extending the knee, extending the leg. So, and there's, there's, there's so much more, but those two are the easiest examples. Using the limbs are always easier. And, and you have to understand that when you're doing this and controlling the movement, it, it helps with um, preventing ballistic movements. And it's a safe, it's, it's your body's way of making sure that you're doing things safely when you're moving heavy objects, not just when you're lifting weights, anything you're doing, hammering a nail, picking up boxes, anything you're doing where those muscles are actually involved in that particular process. Agonist and antagonist process has to be in place, whichever muscle group is working. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just thinking about hammering a nail and not having that opposite, uh, those opposite muscles to slow you down. I mean, it would be like a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, you definitely, you would want not just safety glasses, but you might want a football helmet, maybe some safety goggles. And I don't know what else you could possibly put on. Uh, maybe one of those masks that the the mask singer wears. That way you, you, you're you safe. That way you won't get hit in the head or in the eye with the hammer. But that's exactly right. You would have no control over that situation. So it's very important to understand what muscle groups are working in that direction when it comes to agonist and antagonist muscle groups and what their job is in order to control movement for flexion and extension and there's there's other muscles that we that we want to talk about here are not so much mu so muscles and movement. So we talk about what is a uh, an assistant mover. And I'm going to stick with the bicep curl here and maybe even use the hammer. I'm going to stick with the hammer, too, on top of I know it's a workout show, but I'm going to stick with the hammer just as everyday ordinary movement. So when you're talking about. Um, assistant movers one thing we could talk about is in the bicep curl the pronator terrace okay the pronator terrace where is the pronator terrace at if you look at the inside of your elbow okay now i'm not going to talk about origin and insertion and see now that's where people would have to look and go okay this is an exercise science show here where i'm not taking a test at the end of the day it starts here it's longer it's tubular it's circular and it goes folks across the forearm in this direction here. That's your pronator terrace. It's a very, very, very important muscle. It's way smaller than the bicep. It's not even close to as strong as the bicep, but it can actually neutralize. We call it a neutralizer. It can actually assist the bicep in a bicep curl, and it can neutralize the bicep as well. You know how we said that the bicep is the agonist muscle in a bicep curl, Joe? It's the prime mover. That's what we call it. But their muscles sometimes have more than one prime movement. The bicep is the prime mover in a bicep curl. And it's also the prime mover when we do a process called, you, now, folks, I'm sitting down. But if, Joe, do you, you, do you know what the anatomical position is? If you ever see a body in science, they're standing up with the palms facing towards you. 
So supination, okay, is when you turn away, when you turn away. So if you're moving your arms out this way, that's supination. Pronation, for our folks at home, is when you're turning your hands towards the body. So thumbs away from the body, thumbs towards the body. Supination away, pronation towards. Your bicep strongly controls supination. It's a prime mover in that process, believe it or not. If it was not for the pronator terrace being a neutralizer also, a bicep curl would be fantastic because you would want your palms up and out, right, in the anatomical position as you curl up. But the bicep also wants to twist your hand out when you're doing hammer curls. So as you're curling up, your bicep wants to turn you this way. The pronator terrace neutralizes that movement and keeps it this way so that you can actually perform bicep curls in hammer st uh, strength style. So do you understand that th there's, there's something I think is very, to me, it's very intriguing as somebody who enjoys this stuff. To people who are working out, just know this. If it was not for the pronator terrace, you would not be able to turn your hands in for, an ha for a hammer curl. Go ahead. Yeah, two things. One, I find it interesting that uh, we stuck with the hammer example, and here you're talking about hammer curls. Okay, two. Uh, so is that the muscle that we're actually working when we're doing hammer curls? I mean, is that the muscle that we're trying Secondary. to develop? Okay, so then what What exactly? For hammer curls, I thought that it was more for forearm, or am I just really wrong on that? That that would be your secondary muscle group. It's still a bicep movement if you're doing the technique properly. Different angle, different movement. So uh, the forearm being secondary, and it is a good forearm movement, but it's not so much talking about which muscle groups are working today as, as much as what certain muscle groups are doing in that particular action. So again, pronation toward, in, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I really would recommend that you actually watch the video on Spotify or on our YouTube channel, uh, because, uh, not, because it would just make it a lot easier for them to see what I'm doing right now when I'm turning my hands inward. All right. Pronation, supination outward. And back to the hammer example, think about this. If your bicep, every time you picked up a hammer, wanted to turn your palm out and away, how would you ever hammer a nail? You couldn't, right? Think about all the different motions there where the pronator terrace is actually neutralizing your bicep and saying, no, we're staying this way because what he's trying to do, what she's trying to do is hammer the nail into that board. And, and so I, I find that very interesting. I wonder how many people actually know that, you know, and that's just one example. That's just one example. Um, any questions on that, Joe? No, I think it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, and and again, I don't want to go, I don't want to go too too much into it. The, the neutralizer's job basically is is it's to counteract, um, it's to counteract an undesirable motion of another muscle. All right, so we're not desiring we're not desiring for our arm to turn in that direction if we're trying to hammer a nail into a board. If we want to do hammer curls, we're not desiring that action. Whereas our bicep is saying, "No, I want to. Not only do I want to bend flex at the elbow, I want to turn the hand outward, palms up at the same time." And the pronator terrace is saying, "Uh, uh, not now. That's not what they want to do." So I always find that very interesting. 
anybody who's very interested in more about neutralizing and and um, uh, assistant movers uh, and agonists and antagonist muscle groups, folks, if you're more interested in it, please Google this stuff. Look it up. Watch uh, you know reputable um, you know videos with you know professors of you know who study kinesiology and and physiology and, and understand you know body movement. And, and and if you're intrigued by it, listen to what they're saying, because they'll go more into detail. I don't want to go into so much detail just about those two things today. Uh, again, Joe, because I'm trying to, I know with our exercise shows, sometimes people are just like, this is not what I, you know, am listening to Two Brothers Mike. I want to listen to more feel-good stories and more. That's what we're trying to bring it all in, you know, we're trying to bring it all in. And if for our listeners and viewers, if you notice, we don't do as many exercise shows anymore. And the reason why is because we do know that it's not the it's not the most wanted. We could see by looking at the numbers what the most wanted shows are. But but we we feel it's important that people understand certain things. And I think this is something that, again, those of you who are exercise science geeks, um, you probably already know all about this stuff. But those of you who are now becoming exercise science geeks because you're interested in what this is all about, please, by all means. It's a simple button on, on the computer. Agonist and antagonist muscle groups. Click and a plethora of stuff will come up in front of you and go from there. So that being said, there's really only one other thing that I want to talk about today. And we'll start to talk about it. I know we, we're going to go to an ad here in, in a few minutes. And when we come back, we'll wrap it up. It's a short but sweet show today. I, I didn't want to take a, an hour uh, uh, to talk about this stuff. Um, people have to remember this muscles control everything voluntary involuntary. You know, you have your cardiac muscle, you have your smooth muscle, you have your skeletal muscle and, and muscles are, are control how the body moves. They really do. And so people have to understand that when you're working out, you can't neglect the antagonist muscle movement. Okay. And what I mean by that is this, Joe. And again, we're going to stick with the bustle. We're going to stick with the with the bustle with the bicep with the bicep curl. Why am I having such a hard time talking today? We're going to stick with the bicep curl. So as we curl up, the antagonist muscle there again is the tricep, right? It's lengthening, it's relaxing, it's controlling that curl so that we don't knock ourselves out with the curl bar. So as it controls that movement up, if you could remember in the show that you're going to read that you're going to put in the description of this podcast, when we talked about eccentric strength, I said it is the most important of the three: concentric, eccentric. Some people, some people say eccentric, isometric. Eccentric is the most important. It's where you can gain the most in lean muscle tissue fiber. It is where you can gain the most in strength. So when you are lowering that weight back down and that antagonist is doing its work, okay, it's doing its work on the way up. Now it's targeted on the way back down as it's going back and it is going to contract as you're lowering the bar down and you're going down in a slow phase. You are working on strengthening the antagonist muscle group. The bicep is curling. It's the prime mover. It's the concentration. But on your way back down, you can now concentrate on the opposite muscle so you are working those two muscles together which are extremely responsible 
for elbow flexion and elbow extension, which in turn helps to move safer when you're grabbing things, when you're picking up things, when you're everything you're doing with those two muscles, those two muscles work hand in hand with each other. So that's why when you say I'm doing buys and tries today, you're doing buys and tries because it's very beneficial to work buys and tries together. Now, can you move away from that? You know, do a six week period of buys and tries. And then all of a sudden you're doing tries with chest and buys with back. Yes. Yes. But always come back to it. Always come back to that road of buy shoulders and tries and always have some point in your workouts at a, you know, four to six week period where you're working them three together. Very important. Um, and, and, that being said, I want to now go to one more ad today, one more quick ad from our sponsor. And when we come back, I want to finish up the show talking about this muscle control and you know weak antagonist muscles and what we need to be aware of when it comes to ratios between agonists and antagonist muscle groups. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Two Brothers One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps. Perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, I know we've talked about Kitchen Abs in the past and all they have to offer in food prepping services and protein pancake mixes, but there's another great product they offer we had to let our listeners know about, their own name brand seasonings. They've got a huge selection to choose from as well. Turkey, taco, tomato, basil, Baja, citrus, fajita, barbecue rub, blackened seasoning, as well as steak and meat seasons. And that's just to name a few. You know my favorite part? Besides all of the flavors, of course, it's that they're all low sodium, made with no fillers and MSG free. Know what else is great about them? You can order them right from the Kitchen Abs website. Just go to www.kitchenabs.com, click on store and choose the flavors of your choice. Again, that's kitchenabs.com. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we were at the break. Joe, you wanted to talk to me. Well, that, well, more to our listeners. Uh, oh. Well, I thought, well, you, excuse me. <laughs> so sorry. Okay. Believe it or not, we're actually here for them. Anyways, no. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. What I wanted to say was, um, you know, listen, I know, again, we're talking about this, and I've mentioned this just in numerous episodes, that you start to hear all this stuff. And anytime that we get into this uh, more intricate um, topic into the more intricate topics uh that it starts to get to a point where it's like well gee this is putting too much work into it i just want to lift up heavy things and put them down and i understand that okay um but what we're trying to do is give you the correct way of doing it um the safest way of doing it and why these things are important to consider now that all being said you say well how do i go about now i gotta figure all this out and listen this is what trainers are for uh they exist for this reason. They'll put that program together for you. Uh, you'll also start to notice I'm a beach body guy. Okay. Uh, that's just me personally. You'll start to notice everything that, that coach Tony is talking about here is what they're implementing in their programs. It's not unheard of. It's not things. This isn't something that he just came up with. Uh, it's already being implemented in a lot of your exercise routines that are, that are already established. So just get an idea and having that knowledge will help you fine tune what you're doing is the idea here. And, and so we're just, we're just trying to reach out and, and try to maybe even uh, give you just a, a small glimpse of under the hood behind some of those programs or some of those routines so that you understand why it's important in the first place. Yeah. Uh, um, Tony Horton is, is really good at that P90X. 
uh, and and everything else that he he's done in the fitness world now uh, in his 60s. But what I noticed about the P90X programs when he would talk, he talked very much in layman's terms. He kept it very simple. And every time he would say something about what's going on with their body, he would say, well, at least that's what I've heard. And I used to laugh because I'm thinking he knows all the technical terminology. He knows exactly what's going on with the body, but he makes it seem like he's just the rumor down the rumor going on, you know, the rumor mill going, this is the rumor I'm hearing coming down the pike right yeah. now. I heard, I heard yeah. this, at, heard this at the water cooler. Yeah. You know, I heard it through the grapevine. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I always think that that's kind of cool the way he does that. But um, what we wanted to wrap up the show uh, with today is when we were talking about muscles controlling everything, uh, voluntary and involuntary, um, you guys, when we talk about antagonist muscles, when I talk about them being too weak because you're not controlling them in the eccentric phase, in the lowering phase. So in the squat, when you squat up, okay, and you contract the quadricep muscles at the top and you lengthen the hamstring muscles, as you're decelerating back down in the eccentric phase, the negative, the important one, controlling, you are strengthening the antagonist muscle groups. And for our athletes out there, let me tell you this, strengthening the antagonist muscle helps to produce speed. So you heard it here first. And again, this is why I want you guys to listen to this show. If you're a CrossFit person, you guys are always in a hurry, flipping, 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 flipping 300 miles an hour. And I always think to myself, okay, that's there's a certain aspect to that generating speed. But you're, when do you guys work on eccentric strength? When do you work on that antagonist muscle group the, when you're lowering everything back down? Because you can create a great deal of speed and you don't want weak antagonist muscles. You want them to be strong. Now, there's ratios. And so, Joe, we're going to use the quadricep and the hamstring. And we did this on leg day. I'm going to add a little bit to it today. Leg day, which which I don't know, include this in the description of the podcast if you want to. If you don't, folks, there's a show out there called Leg Day. It's our most listened to uh, because it's a listen only. It's our most listened to exercise podcast. I noticed that. Um, but when it comes to, to ratio – See, there's a ratio that you have to understand also when it comes to, and this is something that you guys can look up. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the ratios for the quadriceps and the and the hamstrings, as I did in the leg day episode. Sixty six percent, or should I say, so your 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 quadriceps are your those four muscles are they are the larger muscle group, as opposed to their opposites, the hamstring muscle group, which are somewhat smaller. Your hamstrings have about 66% of the strength that your quadriceps have. They should have. So, Joe, if you can leg extension 100 pounds one time, absolute strength, your your one rep max, you should be able to leg curl 66 pounds one time. That's the ratio you're looking for, right? Uh, So, I I mean, in a nutshell, if you're looking at your hamstrings have about two-thirds of the strength that you're that your quadriceps have. And and that is a good ratio to try and stay in and test yourself on because if your hamstring muscles have about 
30% of the strength that your quadriceps do, they those two work together to flex and extend the knee. This is where so many knee problems come in to play. Because when you talk about the hamstring, the hamstring stabilizes the knee, number one. It flexes the knee, number two. And it also helps when you decelerate. This is where you see so many problems with athletes getting hurt in the deceleration. It's not when they're running 100 miles an hour. It's when they go to stop because their hamstrings are so weak. So the hamstring muscle group, three muscles, the semitendinosus, the semimembranosus, and the bicep femoris. You're not going to be tested on it. Those three muscles are very much responsible for deceleration. People get hamstring tears of certain degrees, first, second, third. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're out for an entire season. I don't care what sport. And it's when they're going to stop that it causes the tear. It's not impact. It's not impact. It's the actual deceleration and stop because of how weak that muscle is and how much stronger its opposite is, your quadricep. And, and so you guys have to understand ratios are important. Look up our ratios and understand, you know, the bicep and tricep and which muscle group is larger and what's the ratio of strength between both of them. And, and every other muscle in your body, you guys should understand that so that you understand that when you're setting up your workouts, how much weight should I be doing here as opposed to here? Or when I test out, where should my bicep strength be on a one rep curl as opposed to my tricep strength on a one rep um, skull crusher? Where should, my, where should my strength be on my bench press as opposed to my seated pull? When it comes to, uh, you have your your pectoral muscles, right, for your chest, and then you have your opposite, which is your trapezoids directly behind me, right? Not your not your lats. People think your lats and your chest are your opposites. It's not. It's your traps right behind you, and your chest that are your agonist and antagonist muscle movers when you're doing things like uh, seated pulls. Dumbbell bench press. All right. So any questions on that, Joe, that you could think of? No, no. I mean, it's, you're just, it's, you're giving great examples of antagonists and, uh, ag, 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 I, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of the other word. Agonist, agonist, agonist. agonist I thought so. And antagonist, ag, muscle, muscle groups. groups. Yeah. And I'm going to give one more example today and then we'll talk about next week. Um, the dreaded, the dreaded below the knee. Um, everybody's, uh, well, not everybody, not Joe's, uh, a lot of guys out there though, the calf muscles, uh, the gastroc, as they call it in the, in the gym, the gastronemius and the soleus. That's the, the gastroc is the, is the bigger ball, a little higher on the calf. The soleus is somewhat below it. And then that, that is the agonist in a, in a calf raise when you come up on your toes and in the. Uh, antagonist movement on the front part of the shin is the anterior tibialis. And so that muscle, not as strong, not as big, not even close as to the two muscles on the back of the leg that make up the calf muscle. So there's just another example of agonist antagonist muscle groups. So you have to understand, well, how much stronger are my calves than my anterior tibialis? 
Well, some people say, how do you work your interior tibialis? They have those. I ever see, if you go to the gym a lot of times, they'll have those machines where you can hook your foot in, you hook your toes in, you could put weights on or no weights at all. And with the front part of the top part of your foot, you can dorsiflex the toe, which means raise the toe off the ground. You keep the heel on the ground in this particular machine, or you keep your heel flat to the machine and you actually work the front part of your, of your leg from the knee to the ankle. So, and then obviously calf raises folks, I'm going to give you a little bit of something. This we're going to have a show about calves. Uh, and, and are they, uh, are they generic? <laughs> Mine are generic, <laughs> uh, genetic. <laughs> Joe bought yeah, his. My, at, my, I was to say, yeah, mines are definitely brand <laughs> brand name Joe, here. <laughs> Joe bought his at Coach. Um, mine were in aisle three at Walmart. Uh, so no offense to anybody at Walmart. <clears throat> so you, the the cat. Let me give you guys this, and I'll, we'll talk about it in our calf show when we talk about it. When you're working your your gastrocnemius, the 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 bigger calf muscle, standing calf raises is what attacks that particular that particular portion of the calf. When you're working the soleus, which is below that, you want to do seated calf raises in order to attack that. Now, people also do different things where they angle their toes. They put their heels together, then they put their toes together, then they go with a standard position, anatomical position. And that's what I do, and <laughs> whatever. Uh, we're going to talk about that, though. Is it that Coach Tony's not doing enough calf raises? Is it genetic? Is it a combination of both? That's not next week's show. Don't get excited out there. Uh, but but it is a show that we'll have in the future when it comes to exercise shows. Speaking of next week's show, though, Joe, here we are at the end of the season. So what does that mean? Yep. Next week is going to be our season preview or wrap-up or, well, next season preview. Anyways. Uh, yeah, it's All that. that it's it's that end of the end of the season show that we do where yeah we pretty much address it all. Yeah, and and I just want to say this. I I really want it's it's really weird when I look at those shows we've done for the end of season 1, season 2. We have more listens than I'm used like I would think people wouldn't want to listen to that. And I see a lot of listens for those shows, so hey, I I have no problem with that. Well, I that, hope that it's that show about nothing. <laughs> well, well, this Although is it's about, about everything. It's yeah. about everything usually. This is going to be about something because for our listeners out there, there's thousands of listens on our shows. Thousands and thousands of listens on our shows. Uh, views just started 10, 10 episodes ago approximately. And so we're still trying to figure out how we can get a, a whole number there on how many people are viewing the show. Uh, YouTube is a, it's a, uh, it's tricky. Uh, it's not as easy as is an anchor or Spotify. No, so, it's an animal. It's an animal all, all on its yeah. own. Yeah. My my only concern is I, I just hope people aren't paying more attention to the season wrap ups, figuring that they're going to get the entire season's worth of information in this one no. show. Now that's that that's a bad thing. We'll talk more about that maybe next week too. But really, what we're going to talk about next week is I think what our next move is, where we want to go with this, and. For the people, for the thousands of listens out there and the people that are viewing, we are going to come to you and explain to you what it means to like the show, to share the show, and to to, to give us a review, to understand the, uh, the, 
what they're looking at, what YouTube's looking at, what Spotify's looking at, what Anchor's looking at with the analytical data. That's how our show gets boosted. That's how people notice us. Sharing our show is how you thought I was going to say sharing is caring, didn't you? Yeah, that's your line. Still holds true, though. Yeah. Um, but, but we really, really, for those of you who like the show, we really need you to be on board with that five to ten seconds of your time on a weekly basis because all honestly folks that is how this show we're gaining listeners every every season we gain a little bit a little bit a little bit a little bit but in order for us to really start getting more stuff out there and to get moving forward with so much more stuff we want to do with two brothers one mike we don't want to just do this we want to move forward but we've got to get that shot we've got to see more listening we got to see more viewing and we have to see that, that that people are committed to that. And if they're committed to that, we're committed to moving this show forward twofold. So, so there's that. All right. Until then, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there, be the best you. Listen to that show next week or watch that show next week, video and audio, on your favorite podcast stations. See you then. Joe, I'm out of here. Have a good one.